1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, Pursue love and earnestly, say earnestly, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, this is a big verse right here. Just let your Bible be your Bible. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. I'm going to make a confession, and then I'm going to leap into the teaching that I have. I apologize. I had outlines printed up and didn't bring them, so you can have them next week if you care. But um, I'm going to make a confession here. For two years at what was formerly Meadow Baptist Church, which is now moved into Newbridge Church, I have taught on the spiritual gifts because typically the denomination that I was reared in spiritually doesn't really emphasize the gifts of the Spirit. And quite frankly, I was taught that most of the gifts no longer operate. And I've established over these two years that that's not a biblical teaching. I respect uh, greatly those that disagree with me, but I don't respect them enough to say you're right because both can't be right. Either the gifts are done and no longer operative or they're fully operative. That's the only choices we have. And I find nowhere in the scripture where it teaches that the gifts are done or ended at the, uh, at the close of the first century. And I know not only because of what my Bible says, but I know because I've experienced the gifts of the Holy Spirit even tonight. And so I'm no longer in a position, in a, in a commitment, a trajectory to try to teach on the validity of the gifts. And this is my confession. I'm almost a little tired of talking about it. I'm ready for our church to move in them. I'm ready for us to stop treating it as a doctrine. And while we need to continue to teach and help people that are new to this, I am ready for our church to move in the gifts because the gifts were given not so we could pick a side, not so we could have tug of wars, but so that we could minister to each other. And the ministry that God does among believers, he does through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you this, just a small group of people in a midweek service, you will probably note in upcoming weeks weeks and months that Pastor Dustin and myself and other leaders in the church are intentionally not going to be as eggshell walking as we have been. In other words, we will use the words without wondering, oh no, we're going to scare people when we talk about prophecy, when we talk about tongues, when we talk about words of knowledge. We're, we're not only going to talk about them, we're going to welcome the Lord to begin to release that into the body because we're in a season having gone through an, uh, an intense attack of the enemy at the end of last year. God has brought us through, and this is the one thing that I know as one of your pastors here, there is no more time for playing around or doing things in our own power. We have to move in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And one of the primary gifts that Scripture exalts, mainly through the Apostle Paul's writings, is this, the gift of prophecy. Most of us 
have spent a large portion, if not all of our Christian lives, disobeying what is a clear command in Scripture. I have to tell you, I disobeyed this command for well over half of my Christian life, almost two-thirds of it. What is it? That we should earnestly desire spiritual gifts and especially to prophesy. And so when we're looking at this, I want you to know, this is not a novelty. This is not some kind of a curiosity. We're not, we're not just kind of uh, sniffing the hors d'oeuvres. We're, we're, we're saying this is actually in the Bible for a reason, and we need to eat it. We need to take it in. So let me give you a couple of things, and I'll try my best to stick to the outline, but again, I'm not going to make any promises. We should keep these things in mind when considering New Testament prophecy, first of all. The gift of prophecy can be practically defined as this, the human report of a divine communication. That's the simplest thing. The human report of a divine communication, or you could call it verbally sharing something which God spontaneously brings to the mind. In other words, the Lord has access to our thoughts. He has access to our vocabularies. When we abide in him, Jesus said, you will know my voice, you will hear my voice, you will know it's me. And we can learn that the, 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 the thing that speaks to us in our mind is not always just us. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit speaking using our vocabulary, our words, and when we begin to recognize that, we will speak what God is spontaneously bringing to mind. We give a human report of what God is divinely communicating. Second thing about prophecy to keep in mind is it is not absolutely equivalent with thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to explain that tonight. Prophecy has to be examined. Prophecy has to be tested. Prophecy has to be proven. And at times, there's the human element whereby God can actually be speaking, but a person misinterpret it or misspeak it or misapply it. And so therefore, prophecy is not like the Old Testament. The Old Testament, God said, you, you're going to be my prophet. I want you to say this. Go out and say it. Those that believe you that will be blessed, those that don't believe you will be cursed because they are not, not, not believing you, they are not believing me. And so in the Old Testament, it was a handful of people that God sovereignly chose. And the Holy Spirit would come upon them. He would light upon them. It's the old King James word. And when they were lit upon by the Holy Spirit, they would do supernatural things of power. They would give utterances, but the Holy Spirit would then withdraw. We have it so much better. Because that's called visitation. That's when the Holy Spirit operated in visitation. He would visit people. They'd do something powerful that would bring glory to God, but he would leave. We have something better. It's called habitation. That means you are the temple of God. You are inhabited by God. And therefore, the spirit of prophecy is the Holy Spirit, and you have him with you 24-7. Therefore, anybody can prophesy. Anybody, any Christian can prophesy. And so that's the thing that I think... We need to recognize that prophecy is not for the super-Christian, not for the missionary only or the pastor only or the preacher only or men only. That, that prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit that, and, and people, when they realize they have it, they can cultivate it and exercise it. Prophecy is not, here back to the notes, is not parallel with the authority of Scripture. We'll deal with that tonight if we have time. A lot of people object to the idea of prophecy because they think it violates Revelation chapter 22, verses, I think, 18 and 19, which pronounce a curse on anybody that dares to add to the authority of God. Well, I want to substantiate to you tonight that the, the prophetic word is never given equivalency to the written word. Matter of fact, the prophetic word is tested by the written word. But we, we can't say, and this is how cults get started, some 
charismatic leader comes in there and he wins an audience and then he starts replacing the word of God with his own prophecies. And he takes ownership of those people and it becomes a cult and typically it ends in disaster. We're not saying that the prophetic word that comes from a believer carries the weight of scriptural authority. And Lord willing, we'll get to that either this week or next week. Now, prophecy is always measured against the revelation of the written word which alone functions as thus saith the Lord. Friends, read your Bible. If you ever want to hear what God says, read your Bible. Read your Bible. God is still speaking in the Word today. And the spirit of wisdom and revelation will unfold your Bible to you, and you can hear God speak at any time because the written Word is always with us. It's the greatest treasure that you own. If you own a Bible, one of the, one of the high treasons in the kingdom is most Christians let this precious Bible go dusty. They don't read it, and, and they often wonder, why, why can't I have a robust relationship with the Lord? Well, because you're only tasting of what He's saying on Sunday or maybe on Wednesdays too. But your Bible brings life to you. It is the written word of God. And let me just say this. One of the reasons why we know that New Testament, the gift of prophecy, is not the same authoritative equivalent as Old Testament written prophecy is because in this book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 13 and verse number 9, we are told that when we prophesy, we are prophesying in part. We prophesy in part, and that alone denotes a distinction between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Now, you may not care about any of that, but coming from the background that I came from and how difficult it was for me to leave a system of belief that said prophecy is heresy, prophecy is unbiblical, prophecy is adding to the Word of God, prophecy is of the devil, you don't need prophecy, all you need is your Bible. My friends, because I believe in my Bible, that is why I believe in prophecy. The very Bible that we hold to is the Bible that says you must pursue the gift of prophecy. And the only way that we can deny the validity of the gift of prophecy is we literally have to cut out large chunks of our Bible and throw it away. We have to say, that doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't matter anymore. First Corinthians, First Thessalonians, Romans, the book of Acts, uh, just rip those parts out because they have no meaning anymore because prophesying is something of a bygone era. And I just absolutely can no longer facilitate that kind of thinking. Why? Because I want to honor the God of the Word and the Word of God. So what's the purpose of prophecy? Let's look at these verses or at least uh, these chapters. What is the purpose of it? Why do we need it? If God gave it, if God gave prophecy, which he did, that's 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to people. He gives them for the reason he wants to give them. He doesn't owe anybody an explanation. He gives them in the measure that he wants to give them. So somebody may operate at a high level of prophetic ability. Others may operate at what we would comparatively call a lower level. But all can prophesy. That's why Paul said, I want you all to prophesy. But, but why? What does it do? I know some of you are saying, we're still trying to figure out what it is. Well, that's coming, but let me, let me kind of whet your appetite. Again, prophecy is the human report of a divine communication. 
It literally means you hear the voice of the Lord. You discern his voice. He is speaking to you. He can do it in many ways as he did in Scripture. Sometimes it was an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I am wide open to having that happen. I'd love that to happen, but I've never heard the audible voice of God. Sometimes it is an impression through your own conscience, your own faculties. It is something that is supernatural, and you literally just know that God has spoken. And there are other times through dreams, through visions, that God can bring a prophetic word that he expects his children to communicate. So we're not going to box God in, and we're certainly not going to trap him in a a one-dimensional kind of just print on paper. God is alive. He's moving. He's speaking. He's working. He didn't wrap things up 2,000 years ago. He's still moving today, and he's got a lot that he has yet to do. And so when we're thinking about this gift and it moving... What does it result as? What happens when a a Christian, a church, a faith community recognizes the gift of prophecy, has people that will help others cultivate that gift, because it's like any other gift, the more you properly use it, the more beneficial it becomes, the more comfortable you become in it, and the more skilled you become in it. And so in one sense, it's like anything else that we do. We, We may not be great at it right off the bat. But as you function in it, as you move in it, as you learn, as you pursue it, the Lord meets you and he develops that in you. So this is what it looks like. I'm just going to give you scripture on these things. And Lord, help me. It's already um, 8 o'clock. On the other hand, look under the purpose of prophecy. Just listen to this from 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. Paul says this, on the other hand, uh, he's been speaking about tongues. And he says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies, watch this speaks to the people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. That's actually in chapter number 14, verse 3. You have it right there. The prophetic word is given for the purpose, primary purpose, of building up other people, encouraging other people, and comforting other people. That's kind of makes sense because that's what the Lord does when the Lord speaks. The Lord is seeking to build up. The Lord is seeking to encourage or exhort or to have us continue on in steadfast. And at times the Lord speaks, really a lot of the time, to comfort, to meet you where you are and to encourage you, to console you, to comfort you. And so if we're hearing and speaking what he's saying, most of the time the prophetic word is going to fall right in a seam right there with what God is doing. And so the prophetic word is often misunderstood because it's abused. We think when we hear prophecy, I'll give you it in a minute, we think all of these weird things, and that's not the primary uh, aspect of prophecy. A prophetic culture is a culture that listens to God, speaks what he says, and the result is that it builds up the body of Christ. That is why Paul said it's a better gift than tongues when it comes to the, the, the faith community. He says, in the church, it's so much better to cultivate a culture of of prophecy more so than having tongues everywhere because he says, tongues, you're speaking unto the Lord and you're without understanding. He said, but prophecy builds up others. And so let's follow follow that train of thought. He says it right there in 14.4. The one who prophesies builds up the church. Every spiritual gift you will ever have is given to you to build up other people. You have to receive that. 
any gift that you have from the Lord, it may enrich you, it may please you, it may thrill you, it may be supernatural, it may be exciting, it may keep you up till four in the morning because the Holy Spirit is doing stuff in you and through you and you don't have any grid for it, but you're loving it. But ultimately, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given because God wants to use you in the lives of other people. Because that's the heart of God. That, that's what Jesus did. Jesus had all power. All power was given unto him in heaven and in earth. And what did he do? He just came blessing people. He'd take little kids up in his lap and bless them. He, he'd, he'd look at a leper that nobody had touched in decades, and he'd touch the leper, and the leper would be healed. He, he, he would come to those that are ostracized by society, the, the loose women and the drunkards and the tax thieves. And Jesus gravitated to those people with all his holiness, all of his power, where religion had shunned those people. Jesus said, I'm going to use my gifts to bless you and to help you. And so if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be pursuing spiritual gifts, not so we can join the club, not so we can get our charismatic gold star, but so that we can move towards people in the love and intentionality of Jesus Christ, and we can bless and build up the body of Christ. That's what mature, spirit-filled Christians do. So we go further. Uh, I've already addressed this, so I won't linger here long, but the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. By the way, he never said tongues were unimportant. He just said when it comes to the church gathering, the, the, the prophetic person is doing more good than the tongue-speaking person. Why? Well, unless, of course, those tongues are interpreted so that the church may be built up. Very quickly here. Uh, this is an assembly where we have a lot of people that speak in tongues and a lot of people that don't. We don't grade each other. We don't measure each other. We're not trying to find in who's in and who's out. But I can tell you this. Typically... The most you'll ever hear in a service here is somebody during worship, maybe under their breath, worshiping in tongues, they'll do it quietly. We don't really have a system set up at this point to where if somebody has a prophetic word in tongues and they stand up, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody stands up in a service to give a prophetic word in tongues, it has to be interpreted. That's what the Bible says. So if people are standing up and they're yabba-dabba-doing you know, loud and, and busting up the service with tongues, the elders are going to come down on that and say, hey, look, it's not legit unless somebody is interpreting what you're saying in a tongue. Now, with prophecy, you don't have to worry about that because prophecy is given, and it's in a known language, and it can be understood, and it immediately, with no interpretation whatsoever, it immediately builds up the church. Interpreted tongues serves the exact same purpose as a prophetic word in a known language. They both build up the church. So, going further, y'all still with me? Yes. I'm moving quickly, so I wish I had printed out those notes. It had been so much easier on you, but we'll just have to press on. Um, look at what, what the purpose of, of prophecy is concerning unbelievers. Watch this. If all prophesy, he's talking about when the church is gathering, he's saying, y'all got to keep things in order, Corinth. He says, if everyone is prophesying and an unbeliever or an outsider enters into that, that moment, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. This is beautiful. Paul is saying, hey, when y'all are all getting together in your house churches, and y'all are all, he's, he's comparing tongues and prophecy in this whole chapter. If y'all are all babbling in uninterpreted tongues, if an unbeliever walks in, Paul says this, he says, that unbeliever is going to think y'all are crazy because tongues are just babbling. It makes no sense to an unbeliever if it's not interpreted. But he said, but if an unbeliever walks in and you're all, you're all prophesying, legit prophecy, that unbeliever is going to be critically impacted in his soul. 
He's going to know as the prophetic word reveals things that he is in the presence of something greater than himself. He's going to fall on his face and glorify God. So a prophetic culture not only builds up the church, it oftentimes arrests the attention of skeptics and unbelievers. Just think about it. In some of the most... um, What's the word? Some of the most direct prophetic utterances. I know some people that are gifted in prophecy to the extent where they will be in a forum like this or even hundreds of people and God will be speaking to them names, street addresses, phone numbers, birth dates associated with names. And I have watched, and it's not fanfare, it's not drum roll, da-da-da-da-da, here comes the next birthday, and it is. It's not any kind of fanfare. It's very simple. And a prophet will call out, is there, is there an Amy with a March 8th birthday? That happens to be my wife's name, my wife's birthday. And this unbeliever, she's a believer, but in this scenario, an unbeliever, hears their name associated with the birthday. It gets their attention, and then that person with the prophetic ability will come behind it with more than just a, a novel name and a birthday. will come behind it with a word, a word from God, a word about that person's life, a word about the gospel. So the prophetic word is supernatural, and in the lives of unbelievers, it'll get their attention. Uh, some of you were saved later in life like I was, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I was born in the South. I was raised in the church, but I was a hellion. I mean, I was, but I'm going to tell you, I got around a few Christians a few times that read my mail, and I'm not talking about in the post office box. I'm telling you, they, they knew what was going on in my life. They had a prophetic gifting, and it got my attention because I couldn't explain it. I couldn't debate it. I couldn't argue it. And I believe that God put those people in my life to, to be seeds that woke me up over a series of years. And then when the time came and the gospel came, I knew that the same God who had sent those people that could read my life to a certain extent was the same God who had sent his son Jesus Christ to rescue me. So prophecy, friends, yes, it's an important aspect for believers, but also for unbelievers. Back to the outline, the same chapter. 1 Corinthians 14, down in verse 31, listen to what Paul says. You can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. Here's another purpose of prophecy. We learn. We learn kingdom. Listen, I learn primarily from my Bible. And if you'll study your Bible, you'll learn about, a lot about the kingdom. But if you want to know how what God has revealed in the word about the kingdom is in motion today, If you want to sharpen your discernment of what is God doing today, and that is the most important question any of us could ask, what, God, what are you doing today? Not not what did you do 2,000 years ago. Listen, we turn to our Bible. We can find that out. That's all there. Lord, what are you doing today? Lord, what do you desire for me? Lord, what do you want for my family? Lord, what do you want from my life? Lord, when when I'm carrying a burden, Lord, what do I need to learn from this? And listen, my Bible doesn't address every single issue and possibility and vision in life or every dream or, or desire. And sometimes, friends, God does not want us to worship the printed word on the page. We learn from it, we believe it, we obey the word, but we worship the God of the word. And many, many Christians, if not most in the American church, we, we can go our whole lives and know the word of God, but never have an encounter with the God of the word. And I don't want that for you, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm going to tell you, I lived many years as a Christian, for the most part, knowing the word of God, but only flickers of encounters 
of, of the God of the word. And now, friends, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I thank God for theology, thank God for word. But now, moving in and out of the presence and the power and the gifting of the Holy Spirit and being able to walk with him, it has become a relationship over the last probably 12 or 13 years. And I know you want that, but you cannot have it. You can't stiff arm the God of the gifts and still want all of the benefits of that intimacy with him. You can't say, Lord, I want all of the blessing, but please, from a distance, from a distance, Lord. The Lord doesn't lob his best at you from a distance. The Lord moves in, and he wants proximity and closeness. And when that happens, here's what the scripture says. You can all prophesy. He's speaking to a group of Christians at a church uh, in, a, in a gathering at Corinth, and he literally says it. All of you can prophesy one by one. So it's not something that comes upon you and you're, you know, you're seizing and you're having all these, I just can't stop, the Holy Spirit came upon me. No, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. So he doesn't take over your mind. It's not like demonic possession. He, he wants to do this in tandem with you. You don't black out and all of a sudden wake up and say, what did the Lord say for me? It's not like that. Now, listen, I, I say that because that's a lot of the misconception I carried as a cessationist. When I believed that the gifts had stopped and I heard all this stuff about what are those charismatics doing and all that, it, it was portrayed to me in just kind of this almost demonic possession. And I've seen the, you know, the stuff on TV back then. I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. It's not like that at all. It's not as kooky. It's certainly not creepy. But it is supernatural. And so to the degree that we resist the supernatural, to that same degree, we're going to miss intimacy with the supernatural God of heaven. You know, I mean, the whole, the whole of Christian faith is supernatural, friends. I mean, you have pledged your soul to a God you've never seen, to go to a paradise you've never seen, and, and you've believed the, the written word, and most of us probably would have to say, I've never heard his audible voice. So the whole thing is supernatural. And, and, and yet, when it comes to the gifts, we want to say, well, you better explain that to me or I'm not going to believe it. And friends, it just doesn't work that way. And so, I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but we're talking about what are the benefits. The benefits are that God uses the prophetic word to supernaturally build up the church, to grab the attention of unbelievers, that they'll fall on their face and they'll know, wow, there is a God. And uh, then ultimately, these two prophets are named in Acts 15, verse 32, two guys, Judas and Silas. These guys were prophets, and it said as they went about doing their work, they encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Some of you just think God gave you an encouraging personality. You're just a nice person. You're a people person, and that's great. We need more of those in the body of Christ. But I, I want to tell you something. When a person who loves to be with people pursues the gift of prophecy and begins to learn it, begins to flow in it, begins to mature in it, their personality is already a plus. But now that personality that opens the door into the lives of other people, now it comes with a power. And, and, a, and a person who may never want to be in a pulpit, who's never going to chase down lost people with a, a handful of tracks and try to win them to Jesus, but a person that has the gift and has harnessed the gift of prophecy and cultivated it because they pursued it, they made it a priority, you have a power to build up and encourage and strengthen Christians. 
You know, there's a phrase that came by around about 10 years ago called paying it forward. It means you get something and you take either all of what you give or some of what you give and you bless somebody else with it. That's the gift of prophecy. God gives you something and you say, this is so good. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to bless her with this. I believe I have a word from the Lord for this woman or this man. And friends, the beauty of it is, is that person leaves your presence. It happened, by the way, in the room tonight. In the room tonight, during the worship, just watching, and even some of the things that, that I was able to say to people, I knew the Lord was strengthening people. I wasn't even trying to be a buddy or an encourager. I just felt like God had some things he wanted to say to some certain people because they needed to be strengthened. And that's the gift of prophecy. You say, well, Jeff, how do we know if it's me or if it's God? Well, that's the point. You're pursuing the gift, and in order, as you pursue the gift, you're pursuing the giver. And so as you grow in your closeness to the giver, you will begin to learn the distinction between his voice and your voice, but sometimes they're not that far apart. You know, I have such small confidence in my flesh, such a lack of um, belief. I, I just believe what Paul said. Remember what he said about what dwells in his flesh? In my flesh there dwells nothing good. And so I'm thinking, if something's coming out of Jeff Lyle that's noble and holy and good, if I have a thought and if I have a desire to bless somebody, it's probably God. It's probably not my flesh. And so you just have to just, you have to step out on a limb. And, and, and I'm getting, I'm so off target today, but you're getting used to it after, after a while. Friends, here, thank you. Appreciate that. Applaud my foils and fumbles, but... Um, the thing is, is that you have to begin to risk it. And you don't walk up to a person and it's like you got ominous organ music playing in the background. Dun, dun, dun. And you step up. I believe I have a word from the Lord for you. It's not like that. You know, I think that's what we think of. Or somebody flings a door open, bust into the room. Thus saith the Lord. You're not going to build up. You're going to terrify people if you do that. Nobody's getting blessed that night. That's not what we're talking about doing, but that's the kind of stuff that I think subconsciously we think of. No, friends, it's, it's literally. I, there are times, ladies, where you're going to be having coffee or lunch or somebody with somebody you love, and God's speaking to you about your girlfriend, your friend. And, and she's talking, and you're getting downloads, and at that moment, God is actually speaking to you. And, and you're sensing things and you're seeing things, but, but you, because of a lot of failures by pastors like me in churches, we've not taught you what to do with it. So you're actually getting words. You're getting prophetic words, but nobody's told you how to get them out of your mouth. And so they die on the vine. And so God is speaking all the time. By the way, in, in, in church cultures that don't believe in the gifts... I, how many of you were, were groomed in church cultures where messages like this would have gotten the pastor fired? Where, where gifts were just like, no, man, we don't, no, 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 no tongues, no prophecy. Well, here's the thing. In those same churches, I heard all the time, well, the Lord laid you on my heart. You know, I was sitting there in the kitchen today, and, and, and God brought you to mind. And I just felt led of the Lord to call. I heard that stuff all the time. Well, what is that? No, no, seriously, we have to answer that question. Because if God is speaking to your heart, and you want to use that terminology, that's fine, but don't affirm that, that, that activity of God and then say prophecy doesn't happen. It's the same thing. We just have non-biblical terms that we're more comfortable with. 
So what we've done, watch this. We've said no to the biblical terms. Prophecy? No, we're not going to talk about prophecy. We don't believe in that. But we have no problem saying, well, the Lord laid you on my heart today. And, I'm just, and, and we do that all the time. Now, I don't do that, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that, that, that kind of culture. And why is that? Why do we say that? Why are we more comfortable with non-biblical terms to describe a spiritual activity than we are just using the biblical terms? See, those are the things that just really gnawed at me for literally years. And I thought, well, listen, either God put that person on your heart or he didn't. And if he didn't, don't say that he did. But if he did, don't be afraid to call it a prophetic word because that's what Paul calls it. You see? So, Jeff, who are you arguing with? Anybody that will listen tonight. (laughs) So, let me give you this. Yeah, I'm just going to come back to some of this later. Um, We're going to have week three, I can tell already, so... We'll just, is it cool? Is it okay with you guys if we just let the Lord lead us through this a chunk at a time? Because I really believe this is important. I'm sensing so strongly for weeks now that there are people with prophetic gifting that is what I call latent. It's, it's dormant. They have it, but it's dormant. It's been in, an enforced hibernation because nobody's told you what to do with it. And, and so, and, and by the way, that is why the fivefold ministry is important, Ephesians chapter 4, because it's up to the, the, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, the, the teachers. We, what are we there? We are to equip the saints for the building up of the body of Christ. And so because pastors have not been teaching this, teachers have not been teaching this in a lot of circles, you've got Christians who've been taught that a gift that God has given them is not a valid gift. Well, why would they pursue cultivating a gift that their leaders have told them doesn't exist? But that doesn't deny the fact that they have it. And some in this assembly, you have prophetic gifting, and this will be your year that you learn what to do with it. And so you're going to need courage because the first time you start stepping out in this you're, you're going to need courage because you've not done this before, and it feels weird. And you Listen, I, I, I'll tell you what the fear is. What if I say something wrong and I'm representing the Lord? Or what if I prophesy something that, that I, I get wrong and it doesn't come to pass? And, 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 and there are all sorts of like barbs that fear hangs on. And we, we've got to remember, the Lord has not given us that spirit of fear. That, that intimidation, that, that anxiety, that uncertainty, that is always of the flesh of the enemy. And so what the Lord wants us to do, listen, I'm going to give you a word. It's, it's, not, it's not a word that's applauded in a lot of churches. It's the word, or it's the phrase, risk it. You, you will never use the gift like you should if you're never unwilling to fail. Or, yeah, if you're never willing to potentially fail. You'll never use it. Because if the idea is, I have to get it perfectly right every time, friends, we don't do that with anything else in life. Let me give you some testimony. I shared with you last week about Amy prophesying over that minivan, and within hours, such a person, and we didn't even know what to call this stuff back then. She's just doing it. And then I, I want to I make sure you know it doesn't always work that way. Um, I've told this story before, but about five or six years ago, I was in a restaurant with uh, my friend Jude, who is a a prophet. He's a a Nigerian prophet. God used him powerfully in my life when I was in a very lonely season. And Jude and I went to lunch, and we were just talking, and our waitress came by, and God, I'm telling you, 
Boom. I just knew it. I didn't try to know it. I wasn't asking for a word. The Lord said, she's burdened about her daughter. You need to pray for her. And I was like, what? I'm with Jude, the African prophet, kind of a mentor to me, a guy who flows in this stuff and has looked witch doctors in the eye in Nigeria and, you know, called fire around them and stuff. I mean, this guy is like the guru of the supernatural. And the Lord's telling me and not telling Jude. I'm like, Lord, why don't you tell Jude to do it? And I don't, you know. So she, she brings us our drinks, and I just, I just did it. I said, um, you have a daughter, right? And she said, yes. I said, the Lord is telling me. I said this. Now, I would phrase it differently now, but I was green. I was a rookie back then. I was a little probably over the top, but it worked. <laughs> I said, the Lord wants you to know that you and your daughter are going to be fine. And then I told her, your daughter is going to be okay. She immediately began to weep. And so I knew, and I won't bore you with the story, but they were in a horrible situation that she was really like days away from having to make a major decision with what to do with her daughter. And the Lord knew that. And the Lord just used a little old Baptist pastor at the time just to, just to encourage her. And we were able to we always follow it up with practical stuff, too, because she had a financial need. And so we knew not to just give her a prophetic word, but give her a big tip, too. Because you, you don't want to come off as word only and not provide some power to that. We say, well, Jeff, wow, that's awesome, man. You have great prophetic discernment. Okay, flash forward two weeks later. I'm at another restaurant with my wife and my, my, my daughter and my son. Cheesecake Factory. Remember that? That was a good meal. Mm, that was some good stuff. <laughs> so uh, probably a mid-50s African-American lady came over and she's serving us. And I, I promise you, it felt exactly the same. I felt like I needed to talk to her about her granddaughter. And so I said, you're a grandmother, aren't you? No. <laughs> you don't have grandchildren? No. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I was thinking, and then she looked at me. She goes, at least I hope not. Because she had, but the point being is I missed it. I missed it. I thought I was going to load her wagon with something to encourage her about her grand, but I missed it. You say, well, Jeff, Old Testament says you should be taken outside and stoned to death because that's a false prophecy. Um, well, the fact of the matter is, and I didn't get to it tonight, we will get to it next week, there's a huge difference between what you do with the New Testament prophetic word and what they did in the Old Testament. And if you view New Testament prophecy through an Old Testament lens, you're going to continue to be confused. And so one of my desires is to clear the field to clear the field, just let's get the rubble, the debris of error out of your way so you can press into this. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to prophesy this because this is like surging in me right now. I believe that Newbridge Church will become a prophetic hub in this region. That, and it's not going to be a couple of big shots. It's going to be the body that one of the things that God wants to do to bring glory to himself is to raise up a healthy, not weird, but a healthy prophetic culture from a very simple group of people. And here's something too, and I'm just going to close on this. I think it's going to come also through some of the youngest among us. Some of your children are going to not only just operate with the gift of prophecy, but they're going to be prophets. That They're going to be prophets in the kingdom. If the Lord Jesus doesn't 
dramatically intervene in the next 20 years, the United States of America and the body of Christ will need thundering prophetic voices. And I believe some of them will be our sons and our daughters. We should thank God. I'm going to say this properly so it doesn't cast any disparaging thought towards any other season of your life or any other church you've been in. But on behalf of our children and our grandchildren that are here in this assembly, we should thank God that in his sovereignty and in your wisdom, your children are being spiritually nourished in a church that has no appetite for business as usual Christianity. We want to know, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? How do I position myself to get in on that? And Lord, will you use me? And the answer is, if you will pursue it, you will learn how to operate in it. Paul's command, pursue love. Nobody debates that. Nobody would say yeah, that passed away at the end of the first century with the dying. No, it's a command. And in that same sentence, it's pursue spiritual gifts. Pursue love, pursue spiritual gifts, and then he ups it one more, especially that you would prophesy. That's going to happen for any and all of us that want to flow in that. I, I sense strongly that one of the calls on my leadership here is to, and I, I have no idea, I, I've never taken a course on how to release this. It will be, it will be organic and it will be God. He's going to release a movement, a river of the prophetic word in this assembly, and it's not going to stay in this building. You're going to carry it with you to work. You're going to carry it with you into the community. You're going to carry it with you to family reunions. Some of you are going to be the weirdo at the family reunion. <laughs> you're going you're to wear the crown. Uncle, crazy Uncle Joe is going to have to turn over the crown because now it's the, the prophetic niece that is now the weirdo. Now, I say that all that in tongue-in-cheek, but listen, God has something to say. He's already said much, and everything that we have in our Bibles is infallible, authoritative, and it will endure. But the heavens and the earth will pass away, but the written word of God, the word of God will never pass away. But that is not all that he wants to say. He's speaking to this generation. He's guiding us. He's leading us. And some of you are on his list of people he's going to use in a way that you've never used before.